Hi, my name's Christina, and I've been having sex for a while, but I'm always worried I'm not any good at it. So I talked to a sex therapist who told me a lot of people actually feel the same way. They just don't talk about it. So here I am talking about it. The Best Is Yet To Come is here to celebrate and normalize sex and pleasure in all its beautiful forms. Without further ado, let's start the episode. My guest today is Aspiring Tartlet. That's their handle, not their real name. Aspiring Tartlet is queer, fat, and femme. They are Asian, they're raised religious, and they are sex positive as heck. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Before we start, could you tell me your pronouns? Um, my pronouns are she and her. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Uh, all right, so tell me, Aspiring Tartlet, what is the best sex you've ever had? Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. So... I've been having sex for only, I think, five years, but the most recent time that I had sex is one of the best. It definitely goes down as the best, mostly because it was like one of the few times that I actually achieved an orgasm and like an orgasm while being penetrated. I feel like that's a pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, it totally is. I it's like a very, very small percentage of women are able to. And it's like this like random luck of the draw, but like how close your clit is to your like vaginal opening. It's like a whole thing. It's that's super awesome to hear. Tell me more. Like I felt so blissed out after the orgasm and just so thankful. And I still think about that day and it's, yeah, it's wonderful. So it was just like, it was, I had just broken up with my, boyfriend of like five years and so this was the first person that I kind of talked to on tinder we were kind of establishing like a like a friends a friends with benefits thing I guess it did not end well but I'll get to that later but yeah I basically like went over to their place after having cute milkshakes and we're both lactose intolerant so I didn't know how that was gonna go but yeah like they they did this thing where first they like they gave me head which is something that I haven't had for a while, but I love, I love getting oral sex. Um, it's not the reason the relationship ended, but you know what? It's a perk now that it's, it's a monogamous relationship that's over and now I get hit. Yeah. And so, yeah, they did something like, there was like almost like a finger webbing technique while they were going down on me. I don't know what they were doing exactly. And I was like, what are you doing? And why are you so good at this? And they just, went back into it so I I never got the answer but yeah like when it came time to like be penetrated I guess I have like this huge fear of being penetrated because I have like severe tightness I think it's not quite the that vaginal condition but apparently my cervix like points down or something like that so it's really hard for people to angle it into my vagina and like anytime anything's been inserted including like medical instruments I've always been terrified and just like in pain so I was like oh do you have lube and he was like no you're wet enough and I was like I didn't believe him but it turns out I was super freaking wet but the best part was I think when he took out the Hitachi magic wand and like he had it in between us while he was fucking me and that yeah that really sent me off that was that was what did it it was so good. 
That is so great to hear. I have never tried the Hitachi Magic Wand, but I hear that it is like the Rolls Royce of sex toys. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Was it your Hitachi Wand? Was it his Hitachi Wand? Yeah, no, like it was the first time I was at his place and kind of the first time that we met and he went to his closet and I was like, what are you doing? Why are you getting like, we were in the middle of having sex. And he was like, don't worry, just, just hang on. And we, we had talked about the Hitachi Magic Wand. Like we both own two like each of us own two because it's just that good I highly (laughs) recommend it Christina another weird story about the Hitachi magic wand is I was talking to my sibling today and they told me that our little brother found out what a Hitachi magic wand is because once he came into my room and he saw it he was like what is this and he googled it so now he knows because of me well okay wait isn't isn't the Hitachi magic wand isn't it like advertised first and foremost as a muscle massager am I getting my history wrong is like the Hitachi magic wand like a a a genitalia forward instrument now not that you should like hide the fact that you have sex toys but I feel like there is some level of deniability there that I mean that's what I thought but I think Hitachi invented this as a muscle relaxer kind of or muscle massager and then some people found a different use for it and ever since I think Hitachi has kind of taken their name off of the product and that's why now it's just called Magic Wand and the one that I have right now that I use quite often because I'm single um (laughs) is is one that does have like a little silicone like a little silicone head for easy cleaning and it's also wireless so I mean Mm. you can't go wrong with that yeah, and like so many toys have been made in a similar shape because it works. It just works. I definitely remember being a kid and like trying to figure out like what I could use to 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 jill off with. Is that is that like the common? Is that what people do? People say jill off still. I'm gonna say it. Like I remember like getting those like little massagers that are kind of like a ball with like three little balls on the like the ends of it that look like a tiny like stubby octopus and figuring out oh shit, I can just press that against my clit and have a good time. Um, But then I, like, after I did that, it was all, like, it was always like a, where do I source the batteries for this machine? And I remember for like a full year, none of our remotes had batteries in them because I would just like (laughs) them out. So I can continue to jerk off. Jill off, my goodness. Oh, Jill off is perfect. I've never heard that, but that actually makes so much more sense. Right. Add a little like flair to it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, the the batteries thing is so funny because I remember I I just moved out of my place and my friend was having oh no, my friends were helping me pack and they were like, Why do you have so many batteries? <laughs> <laughs> the value pack from Amazon is just huge. Yeah. So they're like, Why do you have so many? And I was like, just don't ask listen in the apocalypse you're still gonna have great orgasms oh I love that hopefully hopefully no apocalypse anytime soon but um I I love that for you okay how did you get into sex yeah I went to university and I saw people around me having sex but I wasn't having sex because I was raised religiously and I was like I will not have sex until I get married probably and I got really depressed and I was like, okay, you know what? Life is kind of short. 
So maybe I should just fuck it and just do it, you know? Because I always knew that, like, yeah, literally fuck it. Like, I had a bucket list, a fuck it bucket list. So it was, like, all the things I wanted to achieve sexually, I think. All right. I got I, I got to know what's on the fuck it list, the fuck it bucket list. Oh, my gosh. I had such, like, detailed goals. I actually used, like, you know, the smart goal technique of, like, making it measurable and achievable. And I even came up with, like, learning objectives from each activity that I wanted to achieve on my list because I think since I was 15 or so like I kind of knew that sexuality was like a big part of my experience and I think I knew that I was intrigued by the concept of BDSM and just like power play so that was something that I really wanted to investigate Um, and that's something that I put on my list to try and figure out what the world of BDSM is basically. I I would love to hear more about that because how was your how was the intersection like the Venn diagram between your like religious upbringing and your understanding that sexuality is a big part of who you are I think yeah my family was my family is very religious and like when it comes to sex we like don't talk about it that much but then it was also weirdly sex positive in a way like my mom would be say oh like once she she made a comment about how my dad only wants the whole for the pleasure referring what what yeah so (laughs) so like we kind of knew of the concept of sex and like we knew that it was supposed to be a pleasurable thing between a man and a woman who are married and it was supposed to draw them closer to one another and also be done in a way that glorifies the lord (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah like if, if you've ever read song of songs you know that like a lot of it is about like couples being in love and appreciating each other's bodies I mean that definitely stuck out to me and I kind of knew that like sex was going to be a big part of my just like who I am I, I think I, I I kind of figured out that it might be but then I didn't necessarily like have the resources to explore that or have people to ask that like my mom still says sex is sex she says sex and like the only way she describes like that action with my dad is making love that that is that is really interesting to me because my my family is not religious at all we're like Mm -hmm. you know like state mandated atheists and like but my parents never ever ever talked about sex I don't think I have seen my my dad even kiss my mom like I assume they go to bed and they erect like a wall between them like it is just they've never talked about it so it's like so interesting to hear that religion was actually in some ways part of the sex positivity like it seemed like like a good thing yeah and like the lord is cool with it if if you don't mind me asking what flavor of Christian is your family um denomination protestants we went to a bible presbyterian church fair enough yeah so you're you're 19 you spend your whole life religious you make a fuck it list and you it seems like you are more organized with your fuck it list than i have seen grown adults at their job with learning objectives (laughs) and 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 whatnot um, what what kind of things are on there? And what were some of your findings? Yeah, what were some of your learning outcomes? 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So like I had never been on a date before up to that point. Like I never dated anyone and I was kind of feeling like, oh man, will I be single forever? And then just randomly like get married and have sex and children because that was supposed to be like my planned life, I guess, set by other people. Yeah. So it was like at the time I didn't come out to myself either as queer. So I think a lot of that was also exploring queerness. And it was also exploring casual dating. So I had this goal that I would go on a first date with someone and it would be a nice first date. And then I would find the right person to kind of break my hymen, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It got broken and it bled out so much. It bled out so much that the person had to throw out their sheets. Oh. Like they tried washing it three times and then they had to throw it out because it was a huge puddle of blood <laughs> I don't mean to say this to like scare your other listeners who might be Christian and virgins I know it's scared other people but yeah the conditions I don't know yeah I had a nice time though well I mean I feel like we're taught that like the first time like a person with a vagina has sex it's gonna be painful right like it's it's supposed to hurt yeah. stuff is supposed to tear and I was reading more kind of like more progressive more recent information about it and people are saying things like, it's not supposed to hurt. It's not supposed to tear. It's supposed to like, you know, be yeah. eased open. It's supposed to be like pleasurable. But even as a grown woman who's been having sex for a while, I, I feel like I don't always know the right way to advocate for myself to have, like to ensure all of the sex I always have is pleasurable. And I definitely didn't have those skills when I was 17 with my high school boyfriend. Like I didn't know, I, I didn't know how to do that either. Yeah. So you bled a lot, but you say this was like a good experience. It was a really good experience. I just, I had like, this was the person that I went on my very first date with. And I was like very direct most of the time. First of all, I found them super cute and attractive. We had a, a nice little date in a diner and I felt special and I was wearing a red lip, which as you know, it's just like ideal. And yeah, I was, I was super direct. I was like, Hey, do you not like touching? And they were like, no, I do. Why do you ask? I'm like, well, you haven't made an attempt to touch me once. And they did the thing where they like yawned and they're like, oh, isn't this interesting? And put like their arm around my shoulder. Um, and there was also another instance where like, we were kind of hanging out, like we had gone to their place. And then I was like, so when are you going to kiss me? And then they kissed me. Yeah, so we didn't have sex that night, but I think, like, I just, I trusted this person. They taught me the importance of saying no, which I think a lot of people who start their sexual journeys aren't that exposed to. Yeah, they were like, it's very important for you to say no so that you can protect yourself. And so I, I think I really trusted them. I really liked them. Oh, man, like, I feel like once the pain was gone like the pleasure happened and I was like oh this is this is what it's supposed to feel like and I was like this makes sense to me like it became where something I think clicked for me and I remember thinking that after I had sex um and I went on with my life I was like oh man like songs kind of make sense now <laughs> songs <laughs> I was also like very in love with this person I think I was like yeah songs make sense now like something for me clicked and I was like yeah I feel I feel comfortable in my body now I feel 
I feel like I'm here. What kind of songs made sense to you? Are we talking like Taylor Swift love story? Are we talking WAP by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion? Weirdly, it was Papa Don't Preach by Madonna. I was in a diner and then I was like, oh, this makes sense now. Papa Don't Preach. That's so romantic. I love that for you. I don't know that song very well, but I'm going to listen to it and then I'm going to imagine myself in a diner about to lose my virginity when I do it. It has religious themes to it as well, I think. So maybe maybe that's why it clicked. I don't know. Like other songs, just like songs about being in love and like songs about hot, fun sex. Because I mean, like I've always found hot, sexy songs to be like a cool thing that I feel like I can relate to because I have such a good imagination. <laughs> but I think after you have it, you have that kind of like closest with a person and you have romantic feelings, I guess, associated with that. I don't know. Songs just started to make sense. And I was like, yes, this, this works for me. I feel, I feel ready yeah, to be myself. It's so awesome to hear that like your first sexual experience with someone that both like illuminate the meanings of songs to you, but also to like tell you so many things about consent. Yeah. Were they losing their virginity as well? Like, did they have experience in sex before they had sex with you? Oh yeah, they had experience. (laughs) Um, Because I was like, I was, I was 20 at the time. And yeah, like I said, I was, I was very depressed not to get too deep into it. I remember thinking that like that whole experience with them, like dating them, like dating someone for the first time and dating a person who I really looked up to and wanted a friendship with and also had like great hot sex with. It just reintroduced me to the beauty of the world. And I was like, okay, maybe I should, maybe I should do something to keep, to keep living, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So that, that was interesting, but yeah, like, no, they did have experience because they were six years older than me. It's a common theme where I like, I, I think I only date people who are older than me. But yeah, they also shared a little bit about their experiences like a virgin and their own experience of sexuality. So we were really able to connect over that. And I think over the years, I just remember that that year that I was doing like my fuck it list, a lot of different people that I, I was dating, they would like kind of tell me a little bit about their own journey because they knew that I was so new to it and I was like yes I'm new and I'm here to experience things so I feel like some of them did try and take on a mentorship role and try to help but I think like my relationship with this particular person the one who I became a verge out with I like to say verge out because we're no longer a verge in I like that yeah I I feel like the exemplified a rule that I keep in mind now um I was we were taught by like this sex therapist who was our prof, like that every relationship should be treated like the campsite rule where you either leave things exactly the same or you leave them better than when you found it. And I feel like this person really did that for me. So I'm very grateful. That's a great rule. That's really beautiful. And I like that it's not just, well, you got to find a person, you got to stay with them forever. Like not all breakups have to be sad there is like a way to move on from a person and have it be a positive experience for both people. You you mentioned rope play was on your bucket list. Oh yeah. Tell me about that. Like how did you go about crossing that off your list? I mean, I guess there are different aspects to this, but basically I realized that a lot of people on OkCupid are very kinky. That, 
that was my experience with it. and then I found someone whose profile kind of mentioned how they were good at tying knots and I was like oh maybe this maybe this is it and then that person became my my now ex-boyfriend <laughs> for five years yeah so we we did a lot of bondage um, because he's he's just really good at it and I realized that before I didn't quite see the appeal I just wanted to try it because it looked interesting and I wanted to see what it was like being restrained mm-hmm. so I remember like one of our our second or third date I think I went over to his house and then and then he tied me up and now thinking back on it I w- am just so glad that he did not kidnap me because <laughs> it was the first time I was visiting his place no one knew where I was and he could have easily just like kidnapped me so I'm glad he didn't after watching the OA like you know the show on Netflix where like a man traps her in his basement I was like thank you for not kidnapping me I will be honest all of the TV I watch is like Gordon Ramsay's highly profitable family of competition cooking reality tv i'm not a good tv watcher but i'm glad to hear you did not get obviously you didn't get kidnapped we're we're currently talking um i I have an important question for you is it just me or is gordon ramsay like kind of a oh my god gordon ramsay's gordon okay i'm sorry gordon ramsay's kind of a dill like yeah i would actually no out of respect for his wife and I presume oh, yeah, his is lovely their monogamous wife, yeah. relationship I would not but yeah like Gordon Ramsay's kind of a dilf like I've watched that video of him making scrambled eggs so many times and I'm like is Gordon Ramsay attractive and I think he is I actually have this conversation sometimes like think about a celebrity and I'm like are they a dilf I I had this conversation I actually polled my friends I said hey guys is Billy Ray Cyrus a dilf and I got a series of reactions anywhere from, oh, depends on what era, to definite yes, to, oh my God, what are you talking about? I didn't realize Billy Ray Cyrus's status as a DILF was going to be so hotly contested among my friend group, but would you like to weigh in? Do you think Billy Ray Cyrus is a DILF? He's the father of Miley, so I don't know. I think he, he does seem like a polarizing figure, actually what's a simple answer to this? And I realized I could not find one. So I don't know if he is a DILF. Here's my cultural knowledge of Billy Ray Cyrus. I watched the Hannah Montana TV show when I was in middle school. And then I kind of glazed over the last few years. And then I saw him again in the Old Town Road music video. And I'm like, do I think Billy Ray Cyrus is a DILF or am I just working off the pure energy of Lil Nas X? Am I just projecting his beauty into my heart? You know what? I feel like this is a great topic. I feel like you should have a a poll at the end of every podcast being like, is this person a DILF? (laughs) Yeah. Get, Get those, get the engagement. Yeah. Get the engagement. You know, I might, I might do that. That would be fun. I'm glad to hear that you were not kidnapped. That's a great step. I know. I, I think that is always this, this interesting one because, you know, when you're in, it, when you're tied up in rope, like that's a very vulnerable position to put you in. So what needs to be your relationship with this person before you get into that situation? 
I think you definitely need someone who knows what they're doing, someone with experience. And you need someone who's not doing it just to tie you up, but is interested in the art. I feel like a lot of it is about the art of the knots and everything. And I I, I had seen his work and I was like, okay, yeah, no, he, he looks like he's good at this and he looks like he really cares about it more so than just arousal. But he was aroused, so. <laughs> um yeah like you could you could hang a coat off it or like the remaining rope you could just hang it off it yeah that's cool um yeah so I think that for me one of the reasons why I like bondage so much is like having that trust and that relationship with the other person and being restrained and giving up that control is also fun but like I think the intimacy of like having someone really look at you and really see you and your body and work around it or work to just put you in a position that looks graceful and that really just makes you feel I think seen and really like focused on (laughs) is really nice I think yeah you just need you need someone who is good with consent I think which is the main thing for all sexual activity and if you can find someone that you trust that's even better but like I've been to rope parties where people have just like negotiated it beforehand and maybe they have a relationship, but it's not necessarily romantic or sexual. And they just, they get tied up and they tie up people. It's, it's not always linked to sex too. Like you can, you can negotiate a scene or like a rope situation. I don't know the right words for it. <laughs> yeah, that you want to be in. I know some people like do suspension from ceilings and everything like that. I haven't done that personally. So maybe you'll find someone who's more knowledgeable about that. But I think for me, like bondage that kind of helped my relationship and feeling those feelings of like trust and intimacy and feeling like I was really seen by my partner. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, speaking as someone who hasn't really forwarded into bondage, I can see how you have to be so intentional with what you're doing if you're having like sex like that because I feel like it's pretty easy to kind of just like fucking someone missionary to just kind of go like well this is what I'm doing blah, blah, blah. but if you're if you're doing if you're doing bondage if there's like people being tied up if there is maybe even pain involved you have to be really focused on the feedback you're getting from your partner and you have to like care a lot about that and to to really to notice that yeah it's constant like chicken yeah it's a lot of checking in and being like, are you comfortable with this? Is this, is this working for your body? And especially like as someone who is fat, like I was, I was curious about how it would work. How does being in a bigger body affect your experience with bondage? I think as a general rule, I never engage in like sexual activity or I guess bondage is a little bit different. It doesn't have to be completely sexual, but like I don't engage in activity with people who aren't attracted to my body like I very much want to be admired and admired for my body or just like not just accept it but like where a person really appreciates it I think not so much as like as like a fetish but just like I need to know that the person likes me (laughs) as I am and in my body because I think I like me and I think that I am hot so the person that I'm with has to think that too I guess 
I don't think I would do any sort of play with someone who wasn't interested in my body type. And I think what I was most worried about was flexibility, I think, for bondage. Yeah, because I was I was worried that like as a bigger body, I wouldn't be able to do some of the poses and or I would be like out of breath or yeah. So I was I was worried about flexibility. But you know what? As a as a 20 something year old, I realized that I'm very flexible. <laughs> Even being in a bigger body with more flesh, I'm super flexible, and there are some things that I can do that I'm like, oh, this is this is cool and impressive. So I also feel like playing with rope kind of made me more flexible in a way as well. So it became something that I was like secretly confident in, and that was nice. Like flexibility is also a muscle that you build, and if you're in more situations where you have to be flexible, do you become more flexible? I mean, people who do um, that kind of training, like any sort of exercise like that, like yoga, like they will, they will be more flexible and maybe they will be good at being tied up. Yeah. But it's up to them, obviously. What's the most unusual place you've had sex? Yeah, so I live in Vancouver and um, I used to go to a school here and I did it on a trail. There was like this tiny little clearing. Back right up. I got to know, like, what time of day was it? How far away was this clearing from the trail? What were the light conditions? Paint me a word picture here. I will. It was 2 p.m. on a Thursday. I had made plans with this guy on Tinder. And I didn't I didn't know him all that well, but I knew that we were going to get down and do stuff. We we picked the trail just out of necessity and they went to the beach after without me. But like there was a little trail and then off to the corner for some reason, he just knew where to walk. And then there's just this tiny little clearing and there was like a log there and he lay his towel down on the log. Like you could see the sun just pouring through the trees it was it was lovely it was like a really lovely spot it felt kind of magical everything stopped I could kind of hear like all those like Korean aunties with like the, with the <laughs> visors on like I could kind of I, I peered out and I like saw them and yeah they were just like walking and talking and laughing and I was like oh little do they know people are people are coming in the bushes in the clearing it was it was really nice like I, I made him come because I'm I'm good a bit. And yeah, came all over his towel and a little bit on the grass. And then you know what? A year later I brought my boyfriend there. So it worked out well. I remember the clearing and I was like, what a nice time. And then I brought him there and he had a good time too. This is like tangentially related. I definitely remember being in like early high school, way before I'd even like kissed a boy or kissed anyone. And, and just like period, like a, like a joke that like we would have with my friends is like, where do you think would be a good place to hook up? And like on the way to the taco place, on the like path behind the school. And it was like totally, like completely hypothetical. <laughs> so naive as to not know the mechanics of uh, sex, but I was already being like, all right, where would two people hypothetically do it if they were hypothetically doing it somewhere? No, I told, I 100% understand because one of my fantasy places to do it 
was the Tobey Memorial Garden. Oh my god. I really wanted to do it there. The J- the Japanese garden? The one with the little brook and like the little yes, Japanese. Oh my god. Oh yes, with the little brook. God, that is so hot. You should do it. They gave us a t- like I was on a tour with my class once for art history or something like that. And they showed off that there is actually like a little room with like the tatami mats where people have paid to stay overnight but I just thought it would be hot to like find a little (laughs) I guess another clearing or like a little space and just like get at it but you know I think how I got the idea was I was very single and like I had never been on a date and I was like what is romantic love and then I saw this really hot young couple listening to like nice music with a picnic mat at the garden and they were like making out and having a nice time I was like that should be me but I wanted to have sex involved I mean with the clearing you're basically halfway there so I have heard that you have experiences with sex mansions slash clubs so in my bucket list I basically was like, I would like to go to a play party. So I was still a virgin at the time. I was like very new to the sexuality journey. At that point of time, I think I had sent nudes to various people and also was part of like a DDLG online relationship. So like the daddy dom, little girl type of relationship, I guess. Do you, are you familiar with that? Like the dynamic? I I mean, I know the acronym, but I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, because I was just really interested in like sort of having a dom, right? To kind of see what, and this was on my list. Like I wrote that I wanted to engage my curiosity and inquisitiveness while also lowering my ignorance, something like that. That was one of my learning objectives for like, figuring out BDSM stuff yeah so I was like I will I will talk to a dom and I will see if I can engage in this relationship and see if I'm like how comfortable I am with giving it control what I really like about the daddy dom stuff was that it's also there's like a focus on it being kind of nurturing mm-hmm. and I think some people enter little space where maybe childhood was in a time where they felt particularly safe and so they want to sort of recreate that situation, except with, with more consent. And as an adult, who knows things? I'm not sure if this is completely right. But yeah, like basically like being in little space is, is comforting to some people and that's what they like. So I was interested in DDLG, but I never necessarily was like a little or I didn't do like the, the diaper thing as well. Like, I know some people wear diapers or they use pacifiers. But yeah, I didn't particularly do those things. But I just really like the caring and nurturing nature of the DDLG type of relationship. And I'm very goal-driven. So I wanted someone who would help me with my goals and just, like, working on getting my life back in order. (laughs) Like, I think when I moved here on my own, I still felt very much like a kid. (laughs) And I still do think that I'm a kid at heart and I think that I like playfulness in my relationships and in any sort of my play I guess or sex play yeah who did you find to be your dom and how did you find them and what was your relationship with them oh my gosh I found them on reddit oh reddit yeah I found them on reddit like it wasn't an in-person thing it was um 
it was an online thing but yeah I found them on reddit and this was like back when I was visiting Asia so like we had to deal with the time difference and then I came back here to Canada then then it ended pretty shortly after that but yeah like it was it was a whole experimental thing because I was like I was like sending nudes to people but I was like I want a little bit more edge to to what I'm doing like with an online relationship so I'm like let me experiment with someone who's looking for for someone to be a daddy dom to and then I found this person like I think I still haven't fully experienced like a full-on DDLG type dynamic in person like I I kind of played with some of that with my ex I would like to see what that's like but yeah like this person was more formal and because we didn't really have like a romantic relationship or anything like that so it was very much focused on the dynamic and like that kind of play but I think eventually like you realize that there are some limitations with doing it online and they seem kind of busy I think when you're on Reddit as well you need to filter out a lot of people who are doing it just to like just to get their rocks off versus like actually wanting to engage in something that is meaningful for both parties that makes sense it's very easy when you are new to something to be duped and especially when it has a like a sexual element I don't know being duped can be like pretty painful yeah I so one thing I didn't like about this particular dynamic was that the person kept trying to tell me all the things that I was instead of a instead of being part of the DDLG community like they were like no I don't think you're that I think you're you're a brat or maybe you'd be you'd like it more as a slave and I was like this is not what we agreed to I I came here with the intention of like this is what I want if this is what you want as well we can negotiate that but I don't think you should tell me all the things that you think I am just because I'm inexperienced so I mean I think getting out of that also was a good lesson because it gave me more like I was advocating for myself because I was like, I know this isn't right. Like I would never do this to another person, even if they were inexperienced, I would never be like, no, I think you're this or you're that. Like you can be like, let me point you in this direction and see if this is something that will work for you. But you never tell someone straight up like, no, I don't think this is actually for you. I don't think you actually like this or that. You let them figure it out on their own. Yeah, what an insane thing to say to someone. Like, what were what were they basing that off of? Your Myers-Briggs personality type? Or <laughs> they were like, oh, you're a Virgo. That means you want a pacifier. They, yeah, they made a lot of assumptions of, of me. I feel like they didn't quite live up to the role that they were portraying themselves as filling. So yeah, like I, I, I would say that definitely when you do stuff online and especially on Reddit you need to be super careful but you know what I feel like I still came out unscathed I feel like I I learned what I needed to at the time and then after the experience I was like no more Reddit stuff I will go on casual dates and find people that I actually like and that's how I met that person who I feel like took good care of me and taught me good things about consent it sucks to hear that your experience with this person kind of sucked but it seems like you learned what you didn't want. You figured out what you wanted and and it seems like your first sexual experience, you got what you wanted, which is so cool and so awesome. And I feel like so unfortunately rare for a lot of people. Yeah, and we're still kind of friends now. So that's nice. Yeah. I think I was in the position where it might have been easy to be discouraged or feel like I was being taken advantage of. 
but and like I think in a certain way like there were some people who weren't so kind and they should have been better especially to someone who is inexperienced but I think I also went into it with a mindset of like these are all the things that I want which goes back to like the fuck it list where like I had very clear learning objectives and I made it about me versus about like pleasing others it was very much about my own growth and that's why I feel like throughout all these experiences I still grew and I still know knew when to say okay I'm not going to engage with this person anymore because I've I've got what I wanted and I got what I needed and I felt safe whenever I was doing whatever I was doing that makes sense yeah I think that having the list really helped me advocate for myself and just be like yeah focus on you yeah I mean no that's that's great like I feel like it's so hard to do things I'm, I'm also a list maker. I haven't made a, a, a fuck it list, but I, I make lists all the time. Should I have to do, should I want to eat restaurants? I want to go to they, most of them have the word shit in them, which eh, I don't know, maybe I should be more specific. Um, but having like having all these goals, I, like, I feel like it, it makes sense that like it, you have a framework in which you have to advocate for yourself. Like if you're not getting something that's on this list, then you know that it's time for you to move on. Yeah. And I made them very measurable, very specific, um, even put a time limit on some of those. Yeah, just so I could I could speed up the process. I want to know, what was your favorite thing on your fuck it list? I think my, yeah, I think my favorite thing was the, was the play party, because that was such a cool experience. Like, there was a club called Club 8x6, like Club 8x6. And it was a dedicated like play party space. So for people to actually have sex in, in a legal way, um, like for instance, there were lots of like parties hosted for a gay men to just like jerk off in a circle together in this like tiny, tiny room in a basement. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I did go to this play party when I was, when I was like starting off because I just wanted to see what it would be like to be in a room that was filled with sex and so this event was called Bay bang but yeah it was it was just all for femmes or like female identifying people and yeah everyone was super respectful and nice and yeah there were people like making out in corners and having sex and like doing bondagey things like spanking but other than that it was just very chill um I found out that they lesbians are very chill yeah and they were just so kind. I remember like, I was like, oh, maybe I want to get spanked. And a person who was more experienced than me was like, okay, let me talk to the Dom and see if this is something they would be willing to do. So much about consent, such a great experience. And then I went home, um, not having done anything, but feeling like, okay, I tried something new. And I went to a sex club, which is, which I think is, is a unique experience people have this perception and I definitely know I've had this perception that like sex parties are like these like totally depraved spaces where like the rules don't exist and you wear like a like a, an animal mask and you uh and you you just go wild um but it, it seems like from what I what I learned now and hearing about your experience is that like these spaces are actually like more regulated more consent heavy and more aware of these things as a way to protect everyone that's involved 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's like so much focus on respect and asking for consent in those spaces. That's awesome. I feel like sex not in sex houses could learn from sex in sex houses. That was great. At at the end of every podcast, I invite my guests to ask me a, a, a naughty question. Um, do you have a question for me? Okay. I think my question for you is, it's like a two-parter. One, would you would you start an OnlyFans? And two, what do you think your OnlyFans specialty would be? Like, would you be like, read books while naked? Or I don't know, what what's in your, what's your idea of that? Okay, that is a really good question. I, I don't, okay. So was the first part, would I have an OnlyFans? Yes, would you have one? I would probably not have an OnlyFans only because I don't believe I have the ability to capture the sexual imagination of people. Like, I don't feel like I'm a very sexy person. I don't think I'm unattractive. I just like, me initiating sex is me being like, hello, would you like to sex? Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm just like not a cool person. I actually work in marketing, but I, I feel like I'm not very good at marketing myself as anything but myself. And I don't think I am sexy. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, okay, but, but if I did have an OnlyFans. Okay, so this is not my OnlyFans idea, but at one point I was thinking if I was a cam girl, because I have a ton of tattoos and my Chinese parents don't know I have tattoos. So they are all like, they're hidden all over my body. Like they're all like the like, clustered of my boobs, like all over my back. I have like the, some like really high up on my thighs. My crotch is tattooed. And I thought it would be like a very fun, like one time only like cam girl stunt to be like, okay, if I get X amount of money, I'll show you the next tattoo. And the last tattoo would be my crotch tattoo. And then I would be fully naked. And then I would, I don't know, I guess that would just be naked, but uh, that's not not answering your question. No, I mean, I think there's definitely like a a market out there for you getting tattooed and like being naked. But I don't know if, would there be sexual activity? I, I imagine that's not very helpful for the person tattooing, but would there well I I mean I haven't experienced this but I I feel like that's a thing right like there is this like line where sometimes pain is desirable in sex and pain is totally part of the tattooing experience I think I grit my teeth through it and like deal with it happening but I could see that working for somebody the only thing is though like if you're in like the throes of sexual ecstasy you're probably jiggling around a little bit and jiggling around and having a tattoo done is like a terrible combination I I can show you where on my tattoos I've accidentally jerked and I always get like a a a stern but polite talking to for my tattoo artists for it but great question I'm gonna think about that from now on yeah think about what your special your specialty would be honestly if I'm being honest I bet you my specialty if I did an OnlyFans I think I would just give therapy to people while naked I would just be like tell me about your problems and also look at my tits and that is what I would do that's pretty good Well, thank you so much for your time today, Aspiring Tartlet. This was really fun. I feel like we learned a lot. And I think for like anyone who is not having sex yet, but wants to soon, they can take a lot of lessons from your roadmap. I feel like you won at losing your virginity. Like, I feel like he, I feel like he did a really good job of losing your virginity. (laughs) 
yeah I think um yeah I think the most important thing is like you need to if you're worried like make rules for yourself to be safe figure out what your boundaries are and don't cross them or figure out ways to protect your boundaries and I think if you can find someone who teaches you how to say no that will be so helpful that makes a lot of sense thank you for sharing that okay thank you again have a nice day bye take care bye If you like the best is yet to come, check us out at yettocome.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yettocome. This podcast was made in association with WOW. WOW, or We Are Half the World, is an organization dedicated to cultivating empathy for the Asian immigrant experience. We do this by telling stories and uplifting the voices of Asian artists. You can find us at wow.org. That's W-A-H-W dot O-R-G. Our theme song is Stand By by Himeko. You can find more of their work by searching for H-I-M-E-K-O on all major streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. Bye.